ladies and gentlemen, let me first express my deepest appreciation to President Milliken to invite us to be part of this very important gathering. I want also to congratulate Robert Lenton for uh, putting forward uh, such a distinguished uh, conferences, global conferences. And I think that indeed it is through events like this that we can create a common ground of dialogue and convince high-level decision-makers at the highest level of the importance of taking action because we have to prepare the world and the past is not a very good guide for an uncertain future. The title of my presentation today is The Thirst of a Starved World. This was the semantics that came to my mind to indicate the relationship between water and food and the difficulties we face today to feed a huge undernourished population living in the poor countries of the world. But before I begin, I would like to share with you this quote from Khalil Gibran that illustrates the general idea of my talk here today. Uh, he said, would that I were a dry well and that people tossed the stones into me, for that would be easier to be a spring of flowing water that the thirsty passed by and from which they avoided drinking. As human populations keeps growing and increasing its living standards, our planet is facing a soaring demand to meet these new needs. The Green Revolution of the 60s and 70s provided a major increase in food production worldwide. This revolution was po possible because of the use of fertilizers, pesticides, and water for irrigation to compensate for the variability of climate. In the following two decades, after the 70s, the, the use of irrigation increased one-third and grains productivity moved from 1.4 tons per hectare in the early 60s to 2.7 to the early 90s. UN experts are announcing that over 9 billion people will need to be fed by 2050. Despite the productivity advances achieved in the past, the way ahead will demand from the scientific and the political communities additional efforts to find adequate solutions for this challenge. In the perspective of this global trend, water security is a key element to ensure human and ecosystems' basic needs. With an uneven distribution of water throughout the world, the risks are permanent. More than 1.2 billion people live today in river basins where water scarcity is the norm and where the trend is of increasing shortages due to the population growth. The life of these people relies on their capacity to have water to feed themselves despite of physical constraints. Groundwater is certainly a strategic and invaluable source of water for irrigation and many of other purposes, but has proved almost impossible to regulate. As a result, locally intensive groundwater withdrawals are exceeding rates of natural replenishment in key cereal producing locations. Because of the dependency of many key food production areas on groundwater, declining 
aquifer levels and continued abstraction of non-renewable groundwater present a growing risk to local and global food production. In Yemen, for example, groundwater withdrawals exceed recharge by 400%, threatening the future well-being of its citizens. With 25 to 27 million irrigation wells, groundwater irrigations of South Asia abstracts over 300 billion cubic meters of groundwater every year that provides supplemental irrigation to 70 to 75 million hectares of land. Private inv investments in groundwater wells have added more irrigated area to South Asia in the past 40 years than public investments in dams and canals added in 20 years earlier. A booming groundwater irrigation economy has become central to South Asia's food security and agrarian livelihoods. Why is the question of water security important? With the world populations reaching 7 billion people today, producing food and sustaining quality of life will largely depend on reliable water resources. Water requirements by 2050 will be approximately 5,500 cubic kilometers per year, or 55 Aswan dams each year. The risk of failure has increased first due to a more constricted relation between supply and demand, and second because the increase in human activities tends to negatively impact the quality of water resources. In other words, we need more and we have less. If business continues as usual, the world may face a level of water scarcity that may lead to a decrease in food production and a higher contingent of population without enough water for basic needs and will have all the impacts on energy and industrial production. This scarcity may be a result of an imbalance in quantity and in quality. Our English dictionaries define security as freedom from danger, from fear or anxiety, from want or deprivation. This is also the history of humanity's management of water, of becoming engineers to assure we have good water in the right quantity, in the proper time and place, to predict floods, to impound water for droughts, to use water to help us generate wealth and avoid deprivation. All rich civilizations have invested in social capital in actions to help achieve the sense of managing such uncertainties as precursor to growth and prosperity. Water security occurs when all people at all times have access to water in sufficient quality and quantity to meet their human, economic, and environmental needs for an active, healthy life. This definition is based on three pillars. Human security, which concern basic needs. The security that brings safe drinking water for health and hygiene and to produce food. Socioeconomic security by using water as an engine for development to reduce the poverty in all countries of the world. Ecological security, as human communities must return to nature water necessary to maintain a healthy aquatic ecosystem. 
Water security became a major concern over the last decades due to the increase in competing uses, environmental degradation, and difficulties in dealing with climate variability and change. Technology will play an important role in this matter since it is needed in both demand and supply management. On demand management, for example, we will have to perseverate on improving eating habits and on reducing the losses from the field to the fork. On the supply side, we need to look for more efficient methodologies for weather and climate forecasting for efficient irrigation systems and for sustainable farming practices. We need to look outside the water box in the fields of, for example, genetic engineering and soil conservation. Water security must be attained to guarantee all aspects of human development, economic growth, and environmental sustainability. Water fits within this broader definition of embracing political, health, economic, food, energy, environmental, and many other concerns and acts as an overarching link between them. The World Water Council has been advocating for global recognition of water security as a milestone for the upcoming sustainable development goals. We launched during the 67th General Assembly of the United Nations in New York, the Pact for Water Security, a call for all countries in the world to join efforts to think about water. The title of this year's global conference here in Lincoln is Too Hot, Too Wet, Too Dry, Building Resilient Agro-Ecosystems, which incite us to reflect upon the need to bring the issue of water storage higher in the political agenda. But before we discuss how this subject relates to the developing world, I would like to call your attention to Europe. Let us take the case of the UK and Spain. In the UK, is located in an area of human oceanic climate. In this kind of climate, the percentage of runoff uh, that is available without infrastructure is 42%. In southern Spain, with a subtropical dry seasonal climate, this number is a meager 9%. What did the wise decision makers, Europeans, did in Spain and in the UK? They built infrastructure in southern Spain to face the long droughts periods. Today, the index of storage per person in the UK is just 100 cubic meters per year, whereas in southern Spain, this number goes to 1,500 cubic meters per year. In terms of days of average storage in dams, this represents 10 days in the UK and 190 in southern Spain. Now, what about the developing world? Let us take the case of the African continent. Water security is a major issue in this continent, subject to high climatic variability. Lack of man-made capital poses an additional threat to the poor population. Economic growth in many countries of this continent is dependent on rainfall. We can see clearly the dependence in the data from Zimbabwe and Ethiopia. A clear correlation exists 
between GDP and annual rainfall amounts. When rainfall is low, little economic development takes place. Let us take the case of Kenya. This country is subject to large climate variability. Large floods and long droughts, in the period of 97 to 2000, the estimated impact of floods and droughts on GDP reduction was of the order of 22%, a number too large that justifies the consideration of building dams, canals, and all the infrastructure that has been built elsewhere. The capacity to manage uncertainties of too little and too much water is central to the ability to grow and prosper and this requires infrastructure, especially as we are advised that the world is becoming more uncertain. Certainly, the impact of lack of infrastructure is much greater in developing countries. While losses due to floods and droughts in GDP percentage in developing countries represent an impressive 14%, in the developed countries, this is four times four time less. In countries like the USA, where massive infrastructure has been built, the cumulative benefits from avoided losses in the case of floods alone reach the impressive mark of 700 billion US dollars. In order to grow and to increase its population standards of living, the African continent needs energy. With less than 7% of its hydropower capacity developed, the challenges to tap this clean and renewable energy source are enormous. Some countries in Africa have energy consumption rates that are not compatible with modern society standards. For example, while in the US there is a consumption rate of 12,000 megawatt hours per year per capita, in Uganda, Burkina Faso, Tanzania, and Ethiopia, this number is less than 55 megawatt hour per year per capita. I believe it's not reasonable to say that the solution to these countries' energy problems is through energy conservation. Beyond the question of energy and regarding global standards, the access to water and sanitation remains a major issue to address. Many UN conventions have pointed the need for universal access to water and sanitation. And the famous Millennium Development Goals launched in the year 2000, countries have agreed to have the number of people in their countries without access to water and sanitation. If we analyze how these countries have dealt with this issue then, since then, and taking into account that the deadline for compliance uh, is in two years' time, it is hard to believe that they are going to comply with their pledges. Lack of appropriate financing and technical capacity in poor countries contributed to this failure of achieving the goals. At this point, I would like to ask this water infrastructure payoff. I take the case of the Brazilian Northeast, where 3% of the water, which has 3% of the water and 30% of the population of Brazil. Annual precipitation is 400 millimeters and potential evapotranspiration 2,500 uh, 2, millimeters. 
In order to promote regional development, a system of multi-purpose reservoirs for hydropower, navigation, and irrigation were developed in the 70s in the San Francisco River Basin. The largest reservoir in the system, Sobradinho, has the impressive storage of 34 billion cubic meters. Significant increases in, in regional GDP were observed after the implementation of the infrastructure. However, the most significant figure are the reduction in infant mortality. In the 30 years previous to the implementation of these reservoirs, the reduction was 16%. In the 30 years after, the reduction was more than 55%. Moving from Latin America to India, take the case of the Bak Bak Bakra Dam, world famous today. I would like to stress the impact at the local level. Income of, for landowners and landless workers have increased as much as 60%, besides, of course, the indirect benefits that, according to the World Bank, have been much larger than the direct benefits. Irrigation benefits show that in non-irrigated districts, the number of people below poverty is more than double than in the irrigated districts. But not only uh, developing countries need infrastructure, the aging water and sanitation infrastructure in the developed world is now posing a major challenge. According to the OECD, the global capital costs of maintaining and developing water supply and sanitation infrastructure in, developing country, in developed countries has been estimated at between 0.35 to 1.2 percent of their GDP. This corresponds to a total needs of 780 billion to 1 trillion US dollars by 2025. Finally, it is unquestionable that infrastructure and development have a perfect correlation. It is appropriate to question. As a country incomes grows, the amount of infrastructure increases or as the amount of infrastructure increases, the country's income grows. But how will the less developed finance this required infrastructure? As demand in the developing world rise at a very fast rate, supplies near to the demand centers are depleted and new sources have to be looked for at longer and longer distances. The marginal costs for supplying these increasing demands are too to three times the current costs. Now, what about food production? I better start talking about food production, okay? Uh, in 2007-2008, the world food crisis reached unprecedented levels and caused hunger riots in 37 countries. It revealed that the overall food supply had difficulties meeting global demand. The structural and not only cyclical reasons explain this crisis. These hunger riots could be harbingers of a crisis to come. Therefore, the issue of water as a resource cannot be separated from land and ecosystems. The FAO in 2011 put out a report explaining how our system was at risk and how the competition for land and water resources were leading to unsustainable practices. For humanity to cope with these issues, we must face specific 
critical aspects. Unsecured resources for unsustainable practices. Good agricultural practices are not the norm worldwide, as underground water is depleted with single crop systems, erosion, and soil salinity keep rising and lead to decreasing yields. The unsecured model is also notable for water distribution as urban growth versus agricultural. Both ways, the water losses are either greater by irrigation up to 50% or in the food chain up to 30%. The food waste in North America and Europe together alone could feed all of the world's hungry three times over. The consulting company McKinsey calculates the value of annual global food waste at 252 billion US dollars. The value of wasted food is almost double the total sum spent on official aid for development. Demand increase. Every day, 180,000 new mouths need to be fed. In the emerging countries, middle-class growth represents 70 million people every year with their new consumption patterns. FAO estimates that food production should increase by 70% from now to 2050. Small-scale agricultural. Despite of rapid urbanization and economical attractiveness of cities in emerging countries, the world rural population keeps growing. It is estimated that 500 million small farmers feed one-third of the planet. Among those who suffer from hunger, 70% are farmers. This population is marginalized and lacks access to market and improved technologies. Appropriate merging of small farmers to agribusiness to improve their productivity and economic returns could be a solution to this important problem in less developed countries. Agricultural policies is stepping back. During the 70s and 80s, it was common belief that the agricultural surpluses in the North were able to feed the agricultural in the South. Overseas aid to strengthen agricultural was put aside and the dedicated funds have been reduced from 20% in the 70s to 5% nowadays. In developing countries, the lack of finance, dams and reservoirs for irrigation and land governance are important elements that prevent giving the rural sector the full consideration it deserves. Dry lands under threat. The disparity between the received water and the population growth in arid lands has increased the proportion of those affected by water shortages. This situation is worsened as aquifers are overexploited and endanger the national capacities to meet domestic food demand. To answer these issues, several priorities have been identified during the Sixth World Water Forum in Marseille, organized by the World Water Council in cooperation with the French government and the city of Marseille. It is indispensable to create, to increase the productivity of irrigation and to improve the efficiency of irrigated farming systems. The solutions to be promoted are both technologic, progress in agronomics, 
genetics and techniques, and organizational. In Africa, new varieties of rice can, under certain conditions, bring an additional yield of 50 to 200 percent. The Prenup project in Cambodia, with the stabilization, with the rehabilitation of boulders, has enabled election of local representatives to build a community of users of irrigation water to secure land, tenure, establish property titles, and easy access to credit. Progress based on this bottom-up approach has led to significant increase in yields and a stabilized demand for water. According to the Minister of Water Resources of China, over the last 30 years, new efficiencies have resulted in increased output by 8 million hectares and increased grain yield by 50% without any significant increase in irrigation water use. Water availability must be increased with more storage capacities and by mobilizing additional water resources. This includes the reuse and uh, uh, the recycling of uh, waste water. Supplemental irrigation has major potential for increasing water productivity and income levels. Water use in Israel, for example, has helped one of the scarcest water regions of the world to maintain one of the highest standards of living. But it takes economic growth to pay for this infrastructure. I'm struggling with this Microsoft element here. It's the first time I use this thing for a long conference like this. So apologize because I'm, you know, a little bit lost here in the last, the next one I have to say. Uh, okay, yeah, we were talking about uh, increase in water storage. Yeah, in many regions where rainfall becomes more unpredictable because of climate variability and change, storage must be considered as a tool for risk management in order to provide water for more irrigation. A business-oriented view of the concept of virtual water is necessary. If this concept is to be applied for the benefit of more efficient water use, international governance and trading regulation will be necessary, for example, through the World Trade Organization. We must enhance the productivity of rain-fed agriculture as it allows greatest improvement with low investments to be done because the availability of water for irrigation is limited by increasing share of water required for water uses, just as drinking water, industry, tourism, and energy. Here, agro-meteorology technologies such as weather and climate forecasting should play a very important role. Small farmers should be incentivized to improve their uses of agricultural water and to promote sustainable practices. The marginalization, their mar marginalization leads to a lack of development and food insecurity. Vietnam has doubled its rice production over 20 years and reduced by 20% the percentage of the population affected by food insecurity. 
One important component to this achievement was a policy to empower 10 million agricultural householders farming an average of 0.3 hectare in the Red River Delta to 0.7 hectare on the Mekong Delta. Polluted aquifers must be managed as uncontrolled development of motorized pumping devices and the absence of governance avoids collective discipline for the farms, farmers. Such progresses have been made by growing awareness of the risks in Morocco. From the field to the fork, the losses must be reduced. It is important to take action upstream and downstream in order to save agricultural water and at the same time strengthen food security by reducing wastage. Lack of storage facilities in developing countries, consumer behavior, and inappropriate mechanisms to recover unsold products in industrialized countries are some of the main factors causing this situation. Regional planning has its strategic importance to develop an adapted vision of an area to take into account the specificities and the needs of each territory for better coherence and effectiveness of sectoral policies. Countries sharing a common destiny, such as West Africa or the Mediterranean countries, would gain advantages from putting in place common strategies. The European Union is a good example of success in regaining food security after World War II. Innovation and technology. It is essential component to the production of solutions. Brazil, for example, has implemented an, ex an excellent, excellent example in the area of water resources management for agricultural sector in particular. The so-called water producer uh, established by the National Water Agency that compensates farmers for good practices in their farmlands. And this is not another tax. This comes from the use of the water pays, polluter pays uh, concept at the river basin level. Some 17 million hectares are now cultivated in that country using no-till agricultural. University of Nebraska presented as a solution during the sixth World Water Forum, MRSA, the Nebraska Agricultural Water Management Network. The main goal of this network is to enable the transfer of research-based information through projects established in farmers' fields to implement new tools and technologies in order to improve water productivity, conservation, and to reduce energy consumption for irrigation. This network has been very effective in helping farmers increase the adoption of new technologies and methods to obtain higher water use efficiency and to save water and energy. As an outsider, I see this as a part of the great U.S. tradition of agricultural extension process lodged in universities at every state. This initiative is in accordance to the efforts led by the World Water Council to look at the realities from the ground and share innovative solutions. The Council, 
through its multi-stakeholder network of institutions of nearly 350 member organizations, advocates for best practices towards the political decision-making community. I invite you to join us in this effort to bring water and agriculture higher in the political agenda of the governments worldwide. Finally, a word of incentive to the science and technology community present here. Without a rapid change in direction, our planet could become a passive victim, bringing with it high costs and major risks. Great awareness on the part of the urban world of its dependence on the rural world is probably the first condition to be met for a change. For the last 30 years, high-speed urbanization worldwide has left aside rural communities. It is in our hands to show to the world that we can produce more food with higher quality and less wastage. I am one of those old-timers that do believe in a brighter future for our children through appropriate use of science and technology. So that's the reason why I'm here today at the University of Nebraska and to thank you very, very much for your kind attention. Thank you.